Hey again, everyone. Um, let's stand if we're able um, to and hear uh, the reading of the scripture. I've just been informed that it is in the great King James translation. So we're so Linus would be proud of Charlie Brown. <laughs> Luke chapter two, uh, starting in verse eight, hear the word of the Lord. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they, the, um, and all that, and all that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Remain standing as we pray. Lord, you, the creator of all, humbled yourself and became one of us. You, God, became man. You didn't become God. You've always been God. But you came, became man, and made your dwelling among us. So, Lord, we are attentive to you, to your Holy Spirit. We pray to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people shouted. Amen. Stay standing. We got this greeting going on from last week. It's, I say, Christ is born, and you say, do you remember? Glorify, Glorify him. Christ is born. Christ is born. Christ is born. All right, be seated. Thank you for doing that. My son and I memorized this little passage a couple years ago. Jay, who is now eight, we memorized it a couple years ago. And while he was memorizing it, he stopped at one point and asked, why is everybody always biting each other? Like Max, he's always biting mom. Rowan, he's biting me. That's mean. Kids in school are biting each other. Why is that okay in the Bible that people get to bite each other? And I said, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, the Bible says that the, the people are biting each other. And why, why is that okay? And I said, what in the world are you talking about? He said, Dad, it says that the shepherds were 
biting in the fields. And I was like, no, 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 no. They weren't biting each other. They were abiding. That means they were living. That's where they lived. They lived in the fields. They lived out among the stars. They were camping. And he was like, oh, okay, so it's, it's okay to, to not bite. Yeah, don't bite. That's, that, it's not okay to bite. You know what I mean? And so I have a word for you. This idea of living in the fields, it's a very different lifestyle than I live. I was thinking this week, I got out yesterday night after the kids went to bed and I just went out and I looked at the stars and I thought of this passage waiting and people just calm. And this morning I got out before the sun came up and looked at the stars. The sun, little, uh, the little sliver of moon was rising and I just, ah, to be still, to be quiet, especially in this season of craziness and shopping and parties and hosting and all the extra things that we do as, as Christians, as Americans at Christmas time. And I just, the word for you this morning is to make sure we stop, make sure we listen like the shepherds that were out in the fields, just abiding, listening, waiting. They were there. They heard the angel. They went out and saw the Savior being born. And I wonder, this is just a question. There's nothing in the Bible that hints at this, but I wonder, it's just a question, once again, uh, that if the angels, maybe before, maybe after they visited the shepherds, if these angels weren't visiting somebody else, and maybe they were too busy, maybe the TV was on, maybe they were planning a party, maybe they were bringing the kids to school, maybe they were running around buying gifts, maybe this, maybe that, maybe there was too much going on, and they couldn't hear this wonderful message. So make sure you listen to it this season. Listen to the words of the sermon. I have three points in the sermon. Big surprise for those of you that are to come often. One, two, and three. The first point, they're all going to be about the shepherds, by the way. The first point is that God lifts the humble. The second point will be uh, that God himself, the highest, becomes low, makes himself low. The third point will be about these titles that are given to Jesus. He's Savior, Christ, and the Lord. So let's jump into this first point. If you're ready, say amen. Amen. Okay, good. God lifts the humble. God lifts the humble. This is great news. The people that get to see, the very, the very first people that get to come to Jesus' birth, and we believe he is God on earth, are these humble, lowly shepherds. I'll talk about who shepherds are in just a moment. It's, I think we have misperceptions about who they are. They're a ragtag bunch, and I'll describe that in just a minute. But usually when a prince is born or a king is born, uh, there's a big celebration. These uh, invitations go out. Maybe they're velvet. Maybe they have tassels. Maybe they're really expensive things. They're real gold and silver go out, and the doors are guarded. People just can't come see a brand new prince or baby of royalty that has been born. No, you have to be invited. And the whole world gets to like look in and, and wonder what it would be like to be in this royal family. Uh, some of you know a little baby that was born in May named Baby Archie. Does that ring a bell to anyone? 
Raise your hands. A couple of you are like totally follow the royal family. You're not even in the United Kingdom, but we don't. We all just kind of get, oh, wow, a prince and a princess have a baby. And Harry and Meghan have this baby and all this. The news media are swarming. The doors are locked and anybody's, everybody's just trying to get a peek at this baby. And only kings and other queens and royalties and dignitary and royal families are allowed to see this baby. You would think that that would have been the case with God himself coming to earth, right? Like you would just think, God comes to earth and there would be these, these gold and silver and these tassels and the invitations and locked doors. Instead, the environment is completely humble. These shepherds are the first to come and see Jesus, this ragtag group of people. I think we have impressions of shepherds like little Bo Peep or like precious moments, uh, little dolls of shepherds are perfectly clean and sanitized and beautiful, little shepherd boys, little shepherd girls, a little pearly white skin. That's what a shepherd must be, right? No, like these guys were rough. These guys stunk. These guys, where were they living? In the field. They were abiding in the field. They weren't in a palace. They were in a field. They're rough people. I have had the opportunity in my life to meet a shepherd. I've told this story before. It's, it's going to get a little weird in here, just, just so you know. Um, those of you that, that know me know I love to travel. I've had wonderful opportunities in my life to travel. Years ago, early 2000s, I got to travel with two guys, just me and two guys. Three of us went all over Southeast Asia. We saved up. We went to Bangkok and, and Bangladesh and Kathmandu for like three months. We got to go into Tibet via uh, these like four we'll drive buses things. We get into Lhasa. Then on our way back, we try to make our own way back, getting on these buses, uh, kind of like the, the public transportation. I'm sure things are different now. It's been like 20 years. But um, there's a bus stop in the middle of nowhere. So imagine like, for those of you that are familiar with like driving to Buena Vista, you go up on the Wilkerson Pass and you see all these mountains and some of them are 10,000 feet. Some of them are 14,000 feet. Kind of imagine that only like double and triple the size of mountains. It's beautiful. We're in the middle of nowhere and we come across, like it wasn't even like a crossroads. It was just like some trails off the side of the road and there's people waiting there. This is Grand Central Station, Tibet. And so some people get off and some people get on, and I was like, well, okay, I guess people are getting on. More people got on than got off, so I moved over, and, and down and in came a guy that just looked rough, missing teeth, sunburn, looked like he had made his own clothes, like maybe that day out of a sheep, and he smelled like Tibetan butter tea, if you've never smelled that. It just imagine like old cheese and and older cheese, and it's, it's like, oh, this guy, just, yeah, and I, I'm there as like, I, we're here to, as, as uh, kind of doing our own thing, but meeting with missionaries, and, and I just was like, I hope he sits with me, and sure enough, he sits with me, he smiles, I say hello, and he just kind of just looks at me like he had never heard the word hello in English, and I only knew one Tibetan uh, phrase, which is tashidelik, and so I kind of, you kind of sing song that, so I says tashidelik, and he smiles real big, tashidelik, and he sits down next to me, and there we are. We have like an eight hours that day to go, and so we're just kind of... Ah, ah, sitting there, okay. And at one point, I reached into my pocket. I pulled out a candy, and I ate the candy. And I thought, oh, I bet he would want a candy. So I give him one. He takes this candy, and he, wrapper and all, just puts it in his mouth. Like, dude, have you never seen a candy? Have you never eaten a candy? Like, no, like, maybe not. Like, he's never seen a candy. So I kind of showed him, you got to unwrap it. He spits it out. He unwraps it, puts it back in. And then 
he returns the favor. He pulls out of his, like, sheep pocket um, <laughs> the, the string. The string with what I would come to find out is cheese balls, uh, fermented and dried on a string, and they're dirty, and they came out of his pocket, and he hands, he hands it to me, and I originally just say, oh, no, no, I'm good on cheese balls. Sheep cheese balls, you're good. I'm good, man. I, I got enough. And he just kind of looks at because there's, there's a language barrier. So, so he's, he's offering me something. And I'm like, no. And I could tell. He's like, you know, please, like, like, take this. Like, I want you to have it. And there's a couple ways you could handle this if you're on a mission trip. You could continue to be like, no, no, I don't want your sheep cheese balls. Um, and, and that would do what? That would offend him. That, that's not why we're there as, as missionaries, as travelers, as Christians, that we don't want to offend people. So that's one choice. I could take the cheese and just kind of throw it and be like, mmm, that's good, it's delicious. <laughs> or I could do what I know I'm supposed to do. I've been on missions before. What are you supposed to do if you're handed food? How many of you, be honest, how many of you would eat that cheese ball? Yes, 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 yes. That we're ta- it's just talk right now, but we are talking about New Life Manitou going on missions uh, of somewhere. It's, I'm not even announcing this uh, later the, the, in the fall, early fall, so months from now. And I want to, whoever just raised your hand, you guys are invited. The rest of you are not invited until you can get your mind right about suffering and doing what you're supposed to do. So he pull, he's got this cheese and he's dangling the balls. And, um, and so he's like, so he, he tries to pull one off and it's really stuck. Like it's been stuck on there, has never seen a refrigerator. So it's all dried out and crusty and he can't get it off. So he puts the ball in his mouth and he pulls it. Uh, and it comes loose and he's like. <laughs> and he hands it to me and I take it. And I eat it. I eat the cheese. <laughs> oh, so that's, thank you, thank you. That's, that's a shepherd. The rough, rough people. That's a shepherd. These kinds of guys with like cheese, sheep cheese in their pockets. Rough, rough people. An angel of the Lord comes upon these people and says, guess what? You guys get to hear the greatest news that has ever happened. Like in our society, in our day and age, these are the kinds of people that are the outcasts. These are the kind of people that have maybe felonies on their records. These are the kind of people going through divorce and barely holding on, barely hanging on to to odd jobs, trying to make it through with kids. These are the people on the outcasts. Uh, If a shepherd in the first century saw a crime, uh, and was asked, like, did you see the crime? Did you see who, see who did it? He said, yeah, I saw the whole thing. It would be like, well, not too fast. A testimony from a shepherd could not be trusted. Like, these people were the outcasts, the bandits, the nomads, the social outcasts. These are the people that are the least of these. And these are the ones to whom the angels appear first. It says that uh, the angels appear, and the bright, shining glory shines all around them, and they were sore afraid. Of course they were. They were living out in the field bright light comes and it says that heavenly hosts appeared with the angel. You know what the hosts are? You know this old English word? It's not like a host of heaven, like an MC, like an Alex Trebek comes down and uh, welcomes everyone. No, you know what a host is? It's an 
It's an army. An army of angels appear to these shepherds living in the field, and they are completely beside themselves in fear, and they are about to hear the greatest news. But I just imagine uh, being living in the field, I try to get out, I love camping, and so I try to get out once uh, a month, even through the winter, to kind of spend a, a day by myself and a night uh, praying and camping, just get away. And uh, last year around this time, I was camping by myself. It was very cold. It was probably too cold to be out camping, so I slept in the back of my Forerunner SUV. And uh, I was sleeping there, freezing and, and, and praying, and I finally fell asleep. And then in the middle of the night, like 1 or 2 a.m., a bright light shone into my my truck. And so I peek out and I'm like, <gasps> and my heart's just starts racing. I'm like, someone is shining a flashlight. Like I'm in the Pikes Peak National Forest, middle of nowhere, like miles and miles from, from any other kind of human civilization. And someone is shining a flashlight into the SUV. And I'm like, <gasps> I did what any of you would did. I, I do. I pulled my sleeping bag over my head and I just kind of hid there. And my heart's just right. Like who is out there? What could they want? What is going to like, who, why, why, what in the world is going on? And I get enough courage to kind of peek out a little bit more and I see no, it's a little bit further away. I think it's like a, a car with one headlight shining and maybe there's people around me. My heart is just racing. I'm like totally like entrenched in fear. Like what is going on? Why are people out here? Who would be out here? They must either want to rob me or hurt me. Like just crazy fear, middle of the night, I'm camping all by myself and I get enough courage to peek out and like look in the glass and I see through the glass that it's the moon. <laughs> Like, oh, okay. Go back to bed. But imagine these shepherds. Imagine them not seeing the moon, but seeing an angel. And the angel begins to speak. And he says, don't be afraid. Why? Because I have the best news ever. That the whosoever's get to hear about what God is doing. And it's not just like, oh, what God's doing, like in a general sense. No, God himself has become one of us, a human being, and this is the message of Christmas. This is the reason for the season, that God himself is, has become one of us to be the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Second point is this, a three-point sermon, halfway there. Second point is this, that God humbled himself. The first point is that God lifts the humble. And the second point is kind of the opposite, the high, the most high God. He humbled himself, the creator of the universe. Thinking about how big the universe is and how wonderful and, and just the greatness of the creation. I think sometimes about the planets, and I have in my pocket a little, uh, uh, I guess it's like a, a visual aid for you of, of the universe, a little penny in my pocket. So this penny, the size of this penny represents the sun. I'm going to give it to Mr. Cobble here. You hold that up. I need that back after. It's tight. It's Christmas. Uh, so that's the penny. That's the sun. If, the, if that's the sun, then somewhere in this room is a little grain of sand orbiting uh, the, the sun. And I need someone else. This is the next closest star. Can you even see this? Is it, can you see the... It's a tiny little peppercorn-sized rock. I'll give it to John. John's going to take this. Don't, don't go anywhere till we, till we get done with where you're going to take it. But John's going to take uh, Proxima Centauri. Centauri is, is the, the name of the closest star to us. And so if John wanted to put... Put that um, star uh, in the right 
place with this star? Like, how far would he have to go? And so don't go anywhere yet. Uh, So John would have to go down the stairs, out into the parking lot, across, there's Fountain Creek uh, apartments. He'd have to go across there, and then not only to the first roundabout, not to the second roundabout. He'd probably have to get a car, because he's going to start driving, like, northwest through Colorado, Look at the size of this little rock until he gets to the border of Utah. Cut that little corner, get to Wyoming, cut that little corner, and then when you get to about Idaho, John, that is where the next closest star is in our world. Like the bigness of it all. Thank you, guys. So somewhere in this room is, is, is orbiting a grain of sand, the earth, and the Lord, the creator of all, that made all of that, came to this little grain of sand to enter into the world as one of us. And the angels come and tell the least of these, these ragtag shepherds, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, which is Christ the Lord. And then this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger." And there we have the scene of the nativity. If you uh, have a nativity scene at your home, it's probably gold and silver and porcelain uh, or really fancy. It's made to look nice. Like this is the Lord coming in to the world. But really, if we think about who the shepherds were, if we think about like the barnyard scene that must have been taking place, there was no place inside. So Mary had to have the child and then placed him into a manger, which a couple weeks ago we talked about what a manger is, right? It's a... It's a feeding trough. Like they had no, they were so poor, they had no place to put the baby. They put him in a feeding trough, and there's shepherds, these ragtag dudes show up, and this is the scene, a very humble scene of our God entering into the world. What good news for us, ever wondering, like, is God see me? Does God know what I'm going through, the poverty of mind, the poverty of spirit, the poverty in heart? Is God ever, you know, if, where is God in all this? Well, he's in the nativity scene. And if God is there, well, then where is God not? He is everywhere. He sees it all and he loves us. I think about, in my own mind, the, the picture of the nativity scene is, is one, usually people talk about how Jesus was probably born in a cave and then placed in a manger where it was animals around. That was the shelter, uh, the free shelter of the day. And then he's placed, uh, he's wrapped in swaddling clothes. And in my mind, that, that is a, a metaphor, kind of an allusion to his own death. Like on day one, here, here's this child in a cave wrapped in like a winding sheet that he will be in later at his death. That Jesus, God of all, comes into this world and the scene of the nativity is not one of like, I, I know there's, there's like Star Wars nativities and Lord of the Rings nativity scenes and superhero nativity scenes and the joyous, like awesome, like, oh, that's great, that's cool, and the gold and the silver and the porcelain things. But really the scene, I, I wrote down some words, the, the scene is sad, the scene is lame, the scene is crummy, bankrupt, destitute, it's unacceptable, seemingly nothing special, and yet there is God himself as one of us. The last point is this. It's the titles Jesus is given, even as a babe being born. He is, Jesus is Savior, Christ, and the Lord. This is what the angel says. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, 
Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Three words here, Savior, Christ, and Lord. I'll kind of work backwards through these three words. The, the, the last one there is the Lord. He is the Lord, Kyrios Christos. This is the word for the Lord in the Greek that has the implications of the Hebrew word uh, for Yahweh, the tetragrammaton, the four-letter word of all words. When Moses is before God and Moses at the burning bush says, what should I say when, when people ask me, who is sending me, what is your name? And the Lord says, I am. So this word, he is the Lord. There's the influences in the Greek here and the Hebrew that what the angels are saying is that this is God himself being born. And then the next word, Christ, this word Christ, the same word is uh, Messiah. It's two different languages. It's like Wasser in German or Agua in uh, Spanish. These two words mean water in English. This is the same with Christ uh, in the Greek, Messiah in the Hebrew, or in English, we would say the anointed one, the one that is prophesied in the Old Testament again and again and again. There will be one who comes to save, to rule, to reign, to bring the Lord's kingdom. And I, as, as a young man with my Bible, I had an NIV study Bible. I had a couple different colors uh, back in high school and college, and I would love to study the Bible. I spent hours studying the Bible and going to coffee shops and reading the Bible and talking about the Bible. The Lord put it in my heart to just study the Word. And I had a green color that I used to underline prophecies of Jesus, of the Messiah in the Old Testament. So I went through Isaiah and found things. This is before the internet. I would talk to people. I'd get books. I would find Old Testament prophecies and be like, oh, wow, look, it's says that the coming one will be born a virgin, be born in Bethlehem, uh, be, be in the line of David. And I would just underline all of these things and, and just think about, wow, Jesus fulfills all of these things. That is the word Christ. And finally, this last word, this last point for this message is a savior, someone who saves. We think about um, needing to be saved. I think there's in my mind, I think about like a lifeguard. Someone is drowning in the ocean and they are screaming for help and they know things are looking bad and waves are crashing on them and they need a savior. They need a lifeguard. And that's like this image of God to the fallen world. Like many of us know we're, we're crying out for help. We need the Lord and there he is, faithful to save. He is savior. And then there's this other, I think about the ocean. I, I got to live in Pasadena for one year and I got to surf a whole bunch. I got to learn how to surf. Uh, that's a whole nother story, a whole nother uh, part of my life. But I, I remember learning about something called a, a riptide. And riptides will, will pull you out into the ocean. Those of you familiar with the ocean, you're like, yeah, you don't mess with riptides. You go out swimming, you're laughing, you're looking at the sky and the birds, and then you don't even realize it. You don't even recognize it. But a riptide will pull you out hundreds of yards and people panic and people try to swim against them once they realize they're in them. But a lot of people will get pulled out, like either snorkeling or maybe on a little tiny boat or just swimming around and having a good time, like on a boogie board. And people get pulled out and they don't even know how far they are out. And they are in need desperately of a lifeguard, of a savior. And I wonder if that's all of us at different points, like knowing we need a savior and crying out. And some of us just not even knowing, like I th I'm doing great, I'm doing fine, it's Christmas, Merry Christmas. But, but knowing like deep down, like actually if you were to look up 
in your life and see where you're at, really you're being pulled way, way far away from where you want to be. You're pull, being pulled by your own desires, by other people, by social pressures. We are being pulled way away from God. If we were able to look up and see and sense, we would see how far we were from the Lord. We would see how in need of a Savior we are. I pray that we will see that this Christmas, this time of year where we consider that, that, that Jesus is the Lord. He is Christ and he is Savior. I want to read for you just these, these last words here. Verse 10 says this, that I, the, the, the words of the angel say, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, that's Bethlehem, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And skipping to verse 14, it says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men, And I think about the good news of the gift of God, the good news that he welcomes us, the good news that he welcomes these shepherds, the good news that he welcomes anyone and everyone to believe and to come to his table. So I want to invite you to stand with me this morning. Um, Taylor's going to lead us to the table in just a minute, but I want to pray. I want us to slow down, to consider um, being in the fields at night waiting for the Lord, being in the fields looking at the stars, not assuming anything, slowing down, and then the Lord pierces our heart with a, with a vision, a word, the Holy Spirit speaking to us, an angel, whatever it might be. Lord, we pray to you and say we're open to you speaking to us as you did 2,000 years ago with people just doing their job at night, the least of these in a field, we don't know their conditions, but it's, it seems destitute. It seems poor. And there you came, Lord, giving the best news to all that you, God, are the gift. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And you open up your hands to us. You open up your table to us so that we could receive from you and to know your ways and to love you. So, Lord, we praise you. We worship you in your name.